Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. Welcome, fight fans, to the big fight preview for Daniel Jacobs and John Ryder in the super middleweight division this Saturday night. Really great fight. Really looking forward to it. Great back-to-back fights from last week's Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Williams fight. And now we've got this fight this weekend at the Alley Pally in London. Johnston, you must be excited about this one. It's in your, your neck of the woods. And it's actually a really, really good fight, which, to be honest, I wasn't expecting to see happen I honestly never thought I'd see Danny Jacobs over here and I never thought I'd see John Ryder in with someone like Danny Jacobs either no and uh, yeah it's only not far from me at all to be fair and Danny Jacobs coming over to these shores it's, it's, a, it's a nice treat uh, even at his ripe age what 35 now but I mean it's an interesting fight isn't it you got two very very similar guys in terms of both coming up short in world title fights with decisions going against them. And they are pretty similar ones, obviously, from UK, ones from the US, but similar in age um, and, and and similar in terms of how their careers have progressed, although Danny has probably had the more high-profile fights. But it's nice to see Danny over here. It's a decent card. And, yeah, it'd be a good night on, on Dazan, no doubt. Well, we're going to go into this as our main fight for this episode, guys. However, there is some good fights on the undercard. There is some notable names fighting over the course of the weekend. And there's some news, of course, that we want to talk about and share our thoughts on for this episode, including Errol Spence and Jordanius Ugas. And, of course, Conor Ben, if you've already heard that and seen that on social media. Conor Ben's next opponent. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But the main talking points for this episode, of course, is the big fight, which is Danny Jacobs, as we've said, coming here to London to fight John Ryder in what I think will be a really, really good fight. Now, as always, we will do a little bit of a breakdown into the careers, the most recent fights that they've been involved in, and then we'll talk about how this fight could go for both men and, and of course, how the predictions will play out and what we think is going to happen in this particular fight. So I'm going to start with Danny Jacobs then because he's the name here. He's the big name. And let, let's be honest, like I never thought we'd see someone like Danny Jacobs make the trip over here. Look at his resume. His resume stands out a mile. And then you forget the names he's been in the ring with. Like People think, look, John Ryder, is, is he going to catch him at the right time now? I can list off a few names here, Johnston. Like Caleb Truax, Sergio Mora, Peter Quillen, Gennady Golovkin. We've had Sergei Derevanchenko. Sal Canelo Alvarez, Julio Cesar Chavez and Gabriel Rosado in his, in his last outing. These are the sorts of names that Danny Jacobs has been in the ring with. A lot of them are the cream of the crop. Some of them were not as good as what maybe they were made out to be. 
But then you have the likes of Golovkin, the likes of Alvarez, even Derivinchenko. You know, these are these are really good names. And then you've got the likes of Caleb Truaps. Of course, he was a former super middleweight champion when he beat James DeGale. Sergio Mora, the former contender, he was also a champion in the super welterweight division. Peter Quillen, you know, these are all fantastic names on his resume. He has got a breath of experience behind him, which straight away, for me, thinks, even at 35... He's got so much experience behind him, being a former middleweight champion himself as well. John Ryder is still up against this, no matter what people think about where Danny Jacobs is at his career now. John Ryder, I think he's still up against this. Going back to Danny Jacobs' resume then, Johnston, I just really want to get initial thoughts from you about, you know, look at his resume, where it's at, the last couple of fights he's been involved in, and surely, surely this can't be as... 50-50 is what people think it's going to be. I'm with you. Uh, I mean, the the time I stumbled across uh, Danny Jacobs was when he brutally knocked out Peter Quinlan. It was a stunning knockout. And that really put him out there amongst the best, if you like. I, you know, it was the one time I realised that this, guy's, this guy means business. And as you said, I mean, he's experienced. He's much more experienced for me than John Ryder. And that history as a world champion does give him the slight edge. Although his year away from the ring could prove decisively against him, against his slightly younger opponent. Uh, he's two defeats against Gennady Golovkin. Oh, sorry, two defeats. He's his def- two defeats, one to Golovkin, which was very tight and one that many feel that he probably deserved to get the nod on. And obviously the other one was uh, Canelo. The other one very early in his career. But in terms of since the Quinlan fight, there is two marquee fights and he's mixed it with the best in the world. Um, now, however, his last out in against Rosado was a close decision. And it for a change, He's the one on on the wrong end of these decisions, uh, some believe. But look, he's a a fantastic fighter, Danny. He's, as I say, he he has proved himself the miracle man. He's came back from adversity outside of the ring. And he's come back and, and, and been at the top level of his game. People had him very high in their pound for pound list. He was one of the best middleweights around. And he's proved himself. Yeah, you're right. He's 35. I think that's the one thing people are going to say. Maybe that's going to go against him. And he has been inactive. Maybe he is on the Dan slide and, and John Ryder has met him at the right time. But a 50-50, I don't think so. I think you're looking more of a 60-40 towards Danny Jacobs. Uh, and, and it is your marks on the inactivity. The fact that he's over again over the 85, over the 35 mark and he's fighting over here. If it was in America, I think it would be a Danny Jacobs 70-30. But that's that's where at heart I see it. Well, looking at John Ryder's career, John Ryder is a fighter who has, for me, got better recently, more recently than, than anything, really. And I think when you look at his early career, you look at some of the losses he has. He's got Billy Joe Saunders' loss earlier on in his career. He loses to Nick Blackwell earlier on in his career. And his other loss on his record came in a really controversial one against Callum Smith 2019. It was a very controversial fight. A lot of people felt, and I think including us, felt that maybe John Ryder could have got the nod on that night and that any other night that he would have got the nod on that night and he would have been a world champion in the super middleweight division. But in the lead-up to that, he had some really great victories. And since that Callum Smith fight, he's had a fight in 2020 and 2021, and he's won both fights. So he's he's ready for this big opportunity. The type of style that he has is the type of style that's going to get right up in Danny Jacobs' face, and he's going to put him through his paces, and he's going to be able to test his endurance and whether that endurance is still there for Danny Jacobs and whether he'll be able to deal with that constant pressure and that constant smothering style that he has and I think this is this is what's going to be a telling factor on the night in terms of his experience of course his his, his greatest experience came I think against Callum Smith in 2019 I think that was for me the point where people started to really look at him even that later on in his career and say actually John Ryder is a threat you know, he bullied Callum Smith around the ring who was a huge super middleweight as we know so for him to be able to do that what can he do against a guy like Danny Jacobs, who's spent most of his career at middleweight, and it's only in his last two performances where he's moved up to super middleweight. Obviously, as he's gotten older, maybe he's made it 
harder to make the weight at the middleweight limit of 160. So this is this is quite an interesting fight in that respect. It's like, is it is it that passing of the of the guard? Is it you know is he catching him at the right time? There's a lot of cliche ways of saying how this fight could be. For me, I think it's going to be interesting in, in, in a lot of ways. I think we're going to get to see how good John Ryder really is. Is he good enough to be a, an older version of Danny Jacobs? If he is, then maybe he could go on and fight for a world title again. And that's that's the way we've got to kind of look at this now is how good is John Ryder and what does Danny Jacobs have left in his locker? Danny Jacobs, moving back to his career, his last two performances haven't really been... Danny Jacobs of old. Julio Cesar Chavez, he quits in his corner after round five of their bout in 2019. And he has a really, really close contested fight against Gabriel Rosado, who, for me, let's be honest, I've always thought of him in the last few years as a bit of a gatekeeper of the division. He's a guy that a lot of the big names go on to fight who have tough nights against him, but it puts him in good stead for their eventual shot at a world title. You look at the fights, you know, Gabriel Rosado has been involved with, and he's had 12 losses on his record, but it doesn't really reflect how tough of a fighter he is. But I felt Danny Jacobs really struggled with him that night. He managed to get a split decision against him. Only just, only just. But that, to me, shown that maybe Danny Jacobs is slightly on the decline and I think that's where the hope of John Ryder beating him comes from mainly is because his last two performances and the only two performances in the super middleweight division haven't been that great and, and you're right uh, the Rosado fight sort of I, I did watch that fight um, and, and I felt that Rosado was very very unlucky he was he was very unlucky against I remember him being devastated when he didn't get that win just record you know you could probably scrape off a few of those because I'm sure uh, I ain't seen them all, but I'm sure there are a few there that he probably deserved to get the nod on and j- just didn't because he wasn't a big enough name. And and it was a bit of, but it's a good fight for Danny going into the Ryder fight. I think the only problem is it was in November 2020. If it had have been in sort of the summer or last year, say maybe not November last year, but if it had have been last year, it have been he'd have been more prepared for that far away from each other. Ryder and Rosario, that Rosario, they're quite similar in in that respect, but. I mean, John Ryder has he's only fought once in 2021 himself. He beat uh, he beat uh, Yarko Yarko, uh, what his name is via TKO, didn't he? And, and obviously the Callum Smith fight is is the one fight that he he can look at as world level. I mean, Billy Joe Saunders was very early in his career and that defeat, but Callum Callum Smith uh, he really proved to be a difficult opponent. And it was much closer than the much closer of a fight than those scores certainly suggested. He lacks that same experience as Jacobs. There's no doubt in it at world level. But he can draw on his successes against Smith. The fact that he's a southpaw, if he puts it on Jacobs, then potentially he can upset his rhythm and not allow Jacobs to get into any rhythm and work behind his jab. The American has the height and the reach. He fights pretty tall and he will look to use that to his ability, to his advantage. And, and Ryder will need to get in close and use those rough arm tactics, his guerrilla tactics, hence why he probably is called guerrilla, and disrupt Jacobs' tempo. Um, you know, I believe Ryder's going to have success. It's just a matter of if he can sustain that pressure uh, and not allow Jacobs to dictate the pace of the fight. I feel that is exactly how Jacobs uh, and, and Ryder will go down. I, I honestly feel like it's going to be a case of Danny Jacobs is is going to try to box, I think, a little bit more on the back foot and let Ryder come at him. Maybe it's not the smartest of ideas, but I feel he's going to try and I think he's going to try and out hustle him. I'm just I've just got this feeling Danny Jacobs is he's not coming here. He's not come all the way over here to the UK to to just make up the numbers and just take a payday. At this stage of his career, he wants another shot of glory. He's openly said that. He's openly said he's far from finished. Even at today's press conference, he was saying he's far from finished and he's got more fights in him that he wants to be involved. And he's talking about big names again, like the Golovkins of the world and the the Canelos of the world. He's talking about these big names, so he's still got ambition in him. So he's not coming here just to to lay down and say, here you go, John Ryder, 
you have this big win against me. He's not here to do that. He's here to win. He's here to make a statement. The thing is as well, he's got this contract with the zone. He needs to show that he is still worthy to them as as a broadcasting company that they want to sign him back on because the two fights he's already had with the zone haven't been great. So this is a chance for him to make a statement. And I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to make a statement and he tries to knock John Ryder out. But John Ryder will like that style. He will like Danny Jacobs coming forward. He would like a gunfight because I think that would suit John Ryder down to the ground. And I do think John Ryder could hurt Danny Jacobs. I, I do think he's got the power in his arsenal to, to do that. So this is what makes the fight interesting for me. It, it's It's a little bit of a difficult one to predict because... Part of me feels Danny Jacobs has just got too much experience for John Ryder. And part of me feels like Danny Jacobs will will win a close decision. But the other side of me feels like maybe John Ryder has, has got that smothering style that won't let Jacobs work at close range and won't allow Jacobs to get any of his work off. He won't allow him to use that natural skill and ability to be able to get anything in. Yes, he will fight on the inside. Yes, he will have his successes. But I think John Ryder's really going to use that that sort of Ricky Hatton style of swarming his opponent and, and not letting him get the opportunity to get the big shots off. And and that's kind of how I see this fight going down. I could be totally wrong. I mean, we, we make these predictions and sometimes we're totally off the boil. But... I can just envisage it in my mind as I'm talking about it. Like I can see Danny Jacobs fighting hard on the inside and I can see John Ryder having his successes too. But in terms of, of my prediction for this fight, it is very tough and I don't want to sit on the fence. A part of me, I think I'm sort of looking at heart and head situation here. I think my heart sort of wants John Ryder to win. You know, he's a British, he's a British super middleweight contender. I do I want to see him go on and have his shot of glory once more? Absolutely, of course I do. But then my head says Danny Jacobs has too much experience in his locker and will beat John Ryder on a points decision on Saturday night. And that is the prediction I'm going to stick with. I do think Danny Jacobs beats him. I do think it's points. I can't see him knocking him out. If I'm being honest, I can't see a knockout coming from either man. I can see Danny Jacobs beating... John Ryder on points. That's my prediction. I am um, along those lines. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, they, these guys have only ever been stopped once in their careers and that was very early on, uh, very, very early on. Uh, but I think they were both around the same time, actually. And yeah, it, I, I'm with you. I think I think the biggest question I have Jacobs isn't the fact that he's, if it was two, three years ago, I think it would be Jacobs hands down and it would be a quite convincing points win. I think because of his inactivity, because it's over here, and because John Ryder, you know, it, he wants to have that shot, and this is a great opportunity for him. He's going to give it all, and he's not going to make it easy for Danny. And I'm, I'm with you where I think Danny will get down and dirty at times with Ryder. When Ryder gets in close, he's going to have some difficult situations. I just think that he's, he's just a... He's got the more experience. He's more savvy in the ring. He will be able to, when things ain't going right for him, as in Danny Jacobs, I think he's going to be able to switch things up, turn it back into his favour if it isn't. So, you know, I don't think anyone's really, even really going to hit the deck. I think someone might get hurt at some point, but that's about all I can see. I can't see anyone getting knocked out. I just All I can see is a tough fight. I think Ryder's going to give it all he's got he's going to try and get in close he's going to try and swarm Danny Danny will pick his shots off and and you know he's going to be he's going to be successful he's going to push Ryder back at times Ryder's going to have a second think maybe and then those couple of rounds with the rounds where Danny really starts to dictate the pace and the rhythm and and then from there Ryder might come back again but I, I just I can't see beyond Danny Jacobs taking this uh, as a UD uh, there might be a close card in there I, I do believe that Jacobs is just a cut above John Ryder. Well, we'll find out on Saturday night. That's the headline event. Well, but it's not the only fight on the card that I'm quite interested in seeing this weekend. I'm interested in seeing Felix Kashbakel 14-0 against Magomed Madaev in what I think will be a very interesting class for the vacant WBC international middleweight title. A little bit of talk on this one, I think, Johnston, because we've seen we've seen the progression from Felix Cash. The progression has been quite 
I wouldn't say extraordinary, but I think very impressive, I think, are the words I was looking for. Over the past three to four years, I've seen him in some really, really good fights against some really good operators in the division. And I honestly think Felix Cash has got the ability to move to world level. That That's my honest opinion, hands down. I've looked at the fights he's been involved in and I've watched his career for quite some time, I think even even very much from the day one, I watched his career. But as he started to move into sort of 2017, 2018, this is where I started to see Felix really step on the gears in terms of the level of opponents that he was involved in. And in particular, over the last two or three years, is where he's had the likes of Jack Cullen, Jason Wellborn. And in his last fight, the victory over Denzel Bentley was, was very impressive within three rounds. That was an impressive victory for me because Denzel was also undefeated and Denzel was also a guy that was being hyped as a fighter that will move on to European and potential world honours. Now, the fact that Felix Cash did a number on him and collected that Commonwealth and British middleweight title in the process, I think for me, was, was quite impressive. Now, Felix obviously already had that Commonwealth, but when he won that British against Denzel... For me, this was 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 a really impressive moment in his career, and it made me feel like he is ready for that step up. He has beaten the best that the middleweight division has to offer at this level, and now he's got an opportunity to fight an opponent who's fifteen and zero with two draws on his record, who has got a really really good record. I I'll be honest, I don't know a lot of the opponents he's been involved with, but I can see from his resume that he has fought about three or four undefeated fighters across the across the course of his career, and he he isn't he isn't a a mug. That's what I'm trying to get out of here. He isn't a mug. He isn't somebody yep. who's come over to make it easier for Felix. He, this Madaev is also here to try and get himself a, a future shot in the middleweight division. So this is going to be an interesting fight. The one notable thing about Medayev is that a lot of his fights seem to go the distance. That to me means that, is he a big puncher? It's difficult to tell because we don't share the ring with him, of course. But when you look at his resume, you look at the fights he's been involved in, and you look at the fact that a lot of them do go the distance, and Felix Cash seemingly has the power to dispatch of his opponents... For me, I think Felix takes this. I think he does. I think he does another impressive performance. Whether it goes to points or whether he stops Medayev, I think Felix puts on another display, probably steals the show, maybe, and and makes us feel that maybe he could go on to, to, to world honours in the middleweight division. Yeah, Felix Cash uh, has produced three top-class performances against Jack Cullen, Jason Wellborn, and as you, as you mentioned, Denzel Bentley that was a real coming of age fight for me and and he you know he was asked questions and he answered them in in absolute style uh Felix I mean he's shown some pop in this middleweight division you say now looking to move to that next stage in his career well he's shown that in those three fights in particular and then Madiev, Madiyev, every the Russian guy however you want to call him I mean it, it, he's never fought outside of Russia uh, but we can't really use that to a disadvantage because, you know, the Russian circuit is a lot like that Mexican circuit. It's very tough, very rough. And to come through that without a loss on his record is some going. Uh, the fact is, is that he's willing to travel over to England and face cast. It actually shows that he's got something to, he cannot, and I repeat, he cannot be overlooked. And if Cash goes into this fight with that same attitude as he did against Bentley, then he should have enough quality to overcome the Russian. But if he switches off for any moment or overexceeds himself, then he could end up a cropper. Look, this is a potential banana skin. This really is. But with Cash and what he's produced in those last three fights, going there with that same mentality, I'm with you. I, I think he proves himself. And I think he... I don't think he's going to... He might put him down. You know what these Russians are like? They, they very rarely get knocked out, especially, you know... He's a bit younger as well, only about a year or so. I think he's had more professional fights as well. But I still think Cash is is shown something in those last three fights. I think he's going to show it again, and I think he's going to win this. He's going to steal the show. He may stop him. If he does, that's a real, real statement, and it'll show just how strong Cash is. I don't think he will. He might put him down a couple of times, but I think he does take it, and I think he takes it on points. So looking at the rest of the card, Ellis Scottney, 3-0, goes in against Giorgio Lina Guanaini, who's... 9-3-2. and two. 
So it's a step up for her. Austin Amo Williams, 9-0, goes in against Javier Francisco Marcial, who's 33-15. and Austin back over here in the UK. He's, he's made a bit of an impact, I think, on these DAZN shows, on these Eddie Hearn shows. Uh, Hopi Price, Johnny Fisher, Cyrus Patterson, and Shalee De Freitas also on the card. That makes up this DAZN card. Uh, the Alexandra Palace, the Ali Pali, on Saturday the 12th of February. But it's another action-packed weekend of boxing if you are an avid follower of this sport especially you uk fight fan listeners you will see that this weekend we've got some some pretty decent shows on we've got the friday night show which i'm interested in just touching on just a little bit with danny dignam and lee mcgregor fighting on this particular card so for friday night fight nights are back and and if you are a u.s listener or you are in canada or australia you probably be able to catch that on mtk global's youtube channel so please do go and check that out as well. Or you could also check out our friends at Daz TV. You can find them on Twitter at Daz TV. So we have got some great action on Friday night. Lee McGregor, Danny Dignam are two of the biggest prospects on that card that I'm looking forward to watching on Friday. Then we have this main card on Saturday. But there are a few notable names actually on the on the undercards of a few other shows in the UK that I thought I'd like to bring to the listeners' attention. So we've got Billy Allington fighting Jamie Robinson for the vacant English super lightweight title at the Brentwood Centre. Liam Wells is on that card. Boy Jones is on that card. Ellis Zorro, Lenny Fuller, Bradley Haxell, and a couple of debutants on that particular card also. But then we look to Sheffield and Cash Ali. Yes, Cash Ali was the same Cash Ali that bit David Price in the ring a couple of years ago I think everybody remembers uh, that particular strange strange moment but on the depths of that particular card is a certain Dave Allen the white rhino I know he's been back in action since his supposed retirement he's had two fights since he's come back and he's on this card in Sheffield on Saturday night and it just makes me ponder whether or not Dave Allen is pushing for another big fight on another card Oh mate, I think he probably is. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Dave. He, he does make me laugh. He's he sort of had that in his head where you know he knew he was never gonna make it big. His aim was to get enough money to buy his house, and he did that. And he went beyond that, and he got some really big names. You know, like like fighting guys like David Price, um, having that wonderful knockout against Nick Webb. That was a, that was a great moment for him. He lost to Tony Yoko. He's, you know, he's he's been in there with Dillian White, Luis Ortiz. He he, he was it was one of those guys that he, he's looking to get beat up and, uh, and take him the distance and get get. It's more for like your Dillian Whites to get through those fights and then push on to the next level. It was just it was just like a a decent. You know, you're going to get a few rounds out of him. Put it that way. Dave Allen's never going to be a star, but you know, when he defeated Lucas Brown as well, that wonderful body shot he landed uh, that was a great night for him that's probably the, the biggest night of his career but it's nice to see him back in there he's always a decent name he, he's someone that you know like your uh, Daniel du- Daniel Dubois for instance making his way back he could be a, a name potentially he could he could be eyeing up for a payday there you know Daniel Dubois he, he could stick him, he have a fight with him and get a few a few more grand in his pocket it, it's nice to see him back whether he's going to take himself seriously I'm not too sure um, but, you know, I'm a fan of his and I would like to see him back on the card. He was the pay-per-view man, wasn't he, Sean? He was doing <laughs> on every single pay-per-view card at one point. You knew that he was going to see Dave Allen on the on the uh, card at some point when you used to run through all those top events. And, you know, credit to him. I hope he comes back. I hope he does, a, you know, I hope he does well and, and, and he does get another big payday. That's, that's the only hope for him because he's not, you know, how old is he? He's like 29. You know, he's, he's just under 30. He could have a couple of years in the game still, mate. As I say, it's all about making money for Dave now, surely. I'm a bit, I'm a bit against him coming back. If I'm being honest with you, I think the amount of punishment he took, especially in that David Price fight, did, yeah. was, was was quite was quite harrowing to watch. And we know about the effects of of punches and how they can affect fighters in the years to come. And I think Dave Allen, in some respects, has been used at times as a bit of a punching bag. And and admittedly, he he's that type of fighter. He's open, and and he came out and he retired after that prize fight. And I was like, well, this might be the right thing for him to do because he can't go in there and take them types of punches. Yeah, he's got a hell of a chin, a hell of a chin. 
but that's not going to see him any good when he's 40, 50 years old and he's really struggling because he's getting early onset of CTE. You know, you just don't know what sort of damage this is causing to him. So for being honest with you, I don't really want to see him fighting again. This is my, my opinion. If he's fighting guys that are like literally just tomato cans, dustmen, European street cleaners, whatever you want to call these guys that come over and take a couple of grand to, to fight the likes of Dave Allen, if he's in no danger of, of getting hurt, then maybe I could say, yeah, okay, you're going to make a little bit of money for yourself and you're going to continue to make a living. Then, then yeah, okay, but it's guys like that that end up becoming sad stories. And that's the reality of it. And I don't want to see him become a sad story. You know, he's 29 years of age. I don't want to see him at 39 years of age really struggling in life. I really don't. I'd much prefer him to be the type of guy that stays behind the scenes and, and helps the younger fighters. And I, I know he is doing that. I, I do know he is doing that because I do have him on Facebook. And it's been a, I've been a friend of his on Facebook for quite a while. And I've interviewed him in the past. And he is a really sound and nice guy to speak to. I just don't want to see the guy get hurt. I think that's that that's more of a concern about, you know, him as a fighter and, and as a person you're going forward. That's just my personal opinion. I mean, people might disagree. Yeah. People might say he's got the he's got the right to make money and that's that's fair enough. I just don't want to see the guy hurt or or you know, one of these guys has to form a shell of himself at the age of forty-five or something like that. That's just that's just me, uh, to be honest with you. It's 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 sad because, you know, the guy at one time had the world at his feet, and I just don't think he was dedicated enough. And I think he, if he would have dedicated himself a little bit more just a couple of years ago, I think maybe, just maybe, we might have been talking like, you know, he could have been in, in, in more shows, he could have been talked about in a different light. For me, that's just my opinion on him. I mean, I know what you're saying, Johnson, I totally get it. I think as long as he's safe, that's the main thing. And if it means he has to stay away from the boxing ring to be safe, then then that, that that's fair enough, that's what he needs to do. Because otherwise, you know, he could he could he could end up in in some serious bother when he gets a little bit older, and it's places like the Ringside Charitable Trust that we've spoke about before, and Ringside Rest yeah. and Care that that are trying to put these facilities in places for boxers that are suffering with, with issues, or whether it's dependency on drugs or alcohol. I don't want Dave to be one of them guys. I I, I just kind of see it going down that way if he if he sort of builds himself up to a point where he feels he could be on the big stage again. I'd I'd rather see him you know retired, and I'd rather see him looking after younger fighters and helping them not make mistakes he's made. Just my opinion, my humble opinion, people may disagree, people may be going, you know what, you're absolutely right. Uh, and that's the whole point of, of, of us having a conversation about it. So I don't want to... I'll tell you what, I was, Go on. Sean, one thing I'm just, just, just saying, I mean, with Cash Alley on this bill, I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking at maybe Dave Allen and Cash Alley having a little tussle yeah. at some point. You know, that, I think we've both been on the same card. That's what sort of rings bells in my head, that maybe that's a potential fight down the line. And then, and then Dave just sort of weighs up his options from there. But you're right, he did take a hell of a lot of blows in his head, especially in that prize fight. You know, his defence was his head and... Heck of a chin, yes, but that's you. Don't, you don't want to see anyone get injured, and you're absolutely right. But if he's good, if he wants to go in it to just, you know, maybe line up a cash alley fight, see how that pans out, earn a few grand from that, and then if he comes through through that with sort of unharmed and unscathed and, and potentially uh, wins it, there's no reason why he can't. Then then maybe he can look further up the line and, and try and just get get himself on a bill where he can earn himself a nice water cash i think that's potentially what it is and and to the british boxing board of control they they should be testing these guys and they should be able to suggest at, and to agree whether that they're in a health their health condition is good enough to compete so um hopefully um that's bit you know hopefully that's being done properly and as you say he does come through it uh, unscathed because you're right the guys that take the punishment especially in the heavyweight division we know because we've tried to get interviews with a few of these guys and they're not as savvy as they used to be they speak a lot slower you know the, the punishment 20 years from now is evident that they took they are unable to do certain things normal things and um and for all the the will and the love we have for this sport we do need to look after these guys. So uh, you're right, Sean. Just, you know, that's a great point. So moving on from this, then, we'll let's go to something completely different. And let's talk about a couple of pieces of news in the boxing world that many people on social media are speaking about. And we spoke about last week about Errol Spence, Terence Crawford, the welterweight division, 
and it looks signed, sealed, and delivered that he's fighting Jordanius Ugas in a unification fight for WBC, WBA, and IBF titles, all being on the line. And it looks like the 16th of April is the penciled-in date. That is a fight that we were talking about where Keith Thurman could go down that line. Last week, you was mentioning Keith Thurman yep. versus Jordanius Ugas. Errol Spence versus Ugas, I still think, is a really good fight, and that looks to be signed and sealed and delivered. So to me now, I am not complaining whatsoever because I think that's a really good fight. It's a really good opportunity for Ugas, of course, to, to, to win more titles to add to the WBA that he already holds, but it's also an opportunity for Errol Spence to solidify himself again in the division as the top dog. You know, the only other guy that essentially looks like he can challenge him, for me personally, is Terence Crawford. And that fight just seems to be, they just seem to be eluding each other, don't they? They just seem to be like yep. the US version of Khan and Brook that end up fighting way too late, as we'll come on to next week when we have that conversation about their fight coming up. But Ugas and Spence is a great fight. I like that fight. Um, we did I mentioned the fact that obviously Keith Furman, would, I'm sure he would have targeted that. And I, I'm sure that Errol Spence's team would have seen Furman, what well, they did, because I know Errol Spence was out on sort of social media saying, like, put himself in line for a fight with Furman at some point. But I think they looked at that and thought, well, we better jump on Ugas before Furman does. Because what that now does is if if he does defeat Ugas, which I would expect him to do, no disrespect to Ugas, he put in a great performance against Pacquiao. But I don't think he's going to be good enough to beat Spence. I think Spence will get the victory and he's got two titles in his hand. And unfortunately, that's the business we're in, especially with PBC fighters where, you know, you've got a couple of titles. Now, if Furman does decide he wants to go down that Spence route, then he will have to take a substantial pay cut, if you like. You know, the A side and the B side, you'll have that all that crappy talk again. Um, and Furman will have to buckle down to that because Spence would potentially have two world titles in his hands. So, look, um, I think that's probably what they've looked at and decided to go with. But all in all, I think Ugas Spence is a good fight. I'm not completely writing off Ugas's chance. I just think Spence Jr. is a level above. And I just want him to be active. If he's active, he will always be a fighter that I always watch out for. There, there are only a certain few fighters that I will stay up to watch. And he's one of them. So, um it would be an interesting fight for him. I think he comes through, but it, you know, it answers some more questions that I think some of us may have about him. So Conor Ben is another piece of news that has come in today. Eddie Hearn has been interviewed today at the press conference by pro boxing fans, and Eddie Hearn has revealed to them in an interview that Chris Van Heerden has now accepted an offer to fight Conor Ben on April the 16th, the same night as Ugas and Spence Jr., I think that's that's a really good fight for for Conor Ben. We were hoping we were going to get maybe Adrian Broner or Maurice Hooker. Adrian Broner has apparently said no. Maurice Hooker is injured. The only other fighter people want to see him fight is Avanincian, who looks to be tied up with a, with another fight. So who else can they get him in with? Well, they've got him in with Chris Van Heerden by the looks of it. Now Chris Van Heerden isn't isn't. He isn't a shit fighter. Like, I'm not going to be honest, he isn't a shit fighter. Like, sometimes you we can sit there and say, oh, well, they're just spoon-feeding him crap fighters. The last few fights for Conor Ben have been really, really good, and we've said that uh, a few weeks ago in one of our episodes when we were covering Conor Ben. I think it was in the awards show for 2021. We were talking about how much he has improved. For, for Van Heerden, he hasn't been as active as what maybe we would like to have seen him active. His last fight was against Jerron Ennis. Uh, it was in 2020. It ended in the first round because of an accidental clash of heads, a cut to Van Heerden's head. So he hasn't fought in, what, 18, 19, 20 months. So, yeah, he's been inactive. Conor Ben has been active. So straight away, it screams alarm bells that this could be a good fight for, for Conor Ben to look good again. But Chris Van Heerden presents a different challenge. He, he's a southpaw fighter. He comes with that wealth of experience. You know, the defeats on his record, if you look at who has beaten him in his career, one of the names in 2015 was Errol Spence, when Errol Spence was coming up through the division. And that's one of the particular names. And then the other name earlier on was Nikola Stefanovic, who... Yeah, obviously I don't really know much about Stefanovic, but I think the fact that he has shared the ring with some good names throughout his career means that if Conor Ben gets in the ring with him and does a number on him the same way he did against Chris Algieri, it just rises the stock of Conor Ben even more and it, and it makes people feel that maybe he is ready to start challenging even greater fighters in, in the welterweight division. I, I honestly think like 
you know, these types of fights are what Conor Ben needs. Like, people might sit here and say, oh, well, it's just another easy fight, an over-the-hill or washed-up fighter. I, I don't see it that way. I see it as a really good way to develop his skills and ability heading into these huge fights throughout his career. I mean, we want Conor Ben. As UK fight fans, we want him to do well. We want to see him in these big fights, and we want to see these big nights again here in the UK with a, with the Ben name attached to it. Of course we do. But to do that, he needs the experience, and fighting the likes of Vargas, fighting the likes of Algeria, fighting the likes of Van Heerden, this is what's going to get him the experience, sharing the ring with fighters like this who have who have fought at the top level before. And then when he gets to that, that top level, he won't, for me, he won't get found out as easily. I mean, I, we always talk about fighters getting found out before now, and the, the biggest example most recently was Anthony Yard when he took that massive step up to fight Sergei Kovalev and, and, and put on a great performance, by the way. But he didn't have that experience that he needed. He needed them Lyndon Arthur fights before he fought Kovalev. If he would have had them then and then fought Kovalev, it might have been a completely different story and a different fight, which is why I, I do feel strongly about the fact that, you know, whilst Eddie Hearn does get shit for, for the way he does treat some of his fighters, the way they're handling Ben and the way they're pushing him through the his career against these certain fighters... I think is the right way and I think it will put him in good stead for when he does want to make that step up and that jump to the to the higher level of the division and I'm not suggesting he'll become a world champion but it will definitely put him in good stead to, to compete with world champion. And you are absolutely right mate um, when you have guys I mean Yard's a great example you know he was knocking out several guys you know undefeated stock was rising but you know, for the for those that are looking in that don't really know what boxing is all about, if you've had no tests in the ring and then all of a sudden you step into a world title fight, you are absolutely going to get found out. And and that's what's happened with him. And, and Conor Ben needs these fights, these fights where guys who have fought those at the top of their game, like Van Herden, who, has, who did lose to Spence, as you say, in eight rounds. But... Conor Ben now, his aim, if he, if this fight does happen, and it does happen to him, which look, it's going to happen, is to make sure that he does better than what Spence did uh, and then move on. I mean, he's even one in the top 10. He said he'd fight you guess next, if, if he could. Um, but, you know, he's leaving it to his team, and they are picking the right opponents for him. He looks like he's going to be out in April. It looks like it's going to be uh, Van Herden, and, and they're deciding whether they're going to take it to London, Liverpool, Manchester, Newcastle, wherever it's going to be. But the fact is they're moving him around the country. He's gaining support. He's got the name. He's a lot more of an all-rounded fighter now. And, I mean, we gave him sort of the domestic fighter of the year last year on his performances. And if he can do the same again, but go up to the next, if he could get uh, a hooker fight after that, then that would be fantastic. I mean, they're talking about a catchweight with uh, Eubank Jr. as well, which he's sort of saying is very realistic, maybe next year. Um, I think that's somewhere way, way down the line. I think he needs to concentrate and push his way through the welterweight division. But what is good, and, and as you say, when, when Eddie Hearn gets his teeth into specific fighters, he does have the ability to direct them the correct way. I think sometimes he had too many fighters and some fighters got a lack of attention i think you can clearly see that conor ben's got a hell of a lot of attention and the and the results are proving that and and when he does have that world title fight he will be ready he'll be ready for every possible t anything that happens in the ring he, he's going to be ready for it you know whether it be a cut whether it be a knockdown to come through adversity early in your career when you have the big fight and you've had all those moments and you know and it, it just changes you as a fire we're doing Duke throwing it out there but Duke McKenzie had one fight in his life that he said was the moment that changed the career his career forever and that ended up being a defeat that one defeat changed his whole career and he goes on to to win an extra two world heavyweight titles in, in two separate weight divisions ends up becoming a freeweight world champion just the point is there is that if even if he, he loses it's still no biggie. You can learn a lot from that as well. Well, Duke McKenzie certainly must have put on some weight from his days because he was a three-time 
champion, but he definitely wasn't a heavyweight champion. Johnston, that was an absolute pearl. Oh, did I say heavyweight? Of a, yeah, of a moment. Again, I love it. <laughs> did I say Absolute, yeah, you said world heavyweight <laughs> champion. Duke McKenzie. Freeweight world champion. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if, if Duke listens to this, I mean, we, I've had him on the podcast uh, recently. If he listens to this, he's going to be like, Jesus, Johnston. Slip of the I've, tongue. Yeah, yeah slip of definitely. The tongue, definitely slip of the tongue. <laughs> it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be an episode. Freeweight it, world champion. It wouldn't be an episode without a slip of the tongue. Absolutely wouldn't be an episode without it. Anyway, moving swiftly on to the final piece of news that I wanted to discuss in this episode, Johnston. Again, another bit of news regarding the Canelo Circus. So the Canelo Circus marches on. Now, reportedly, there's a close deal to agreeing an Eddie Hearn signature with two fights in mind, with the first one being Dimitri Bivol on May the 7th, and then proceeding forward to a September 17th date for the trilogy with Gennady Kolovkin. What do you think about that? Okay. Yeah. Bivol. So Canelo Bivol is, is the first one you're saying? Yep. Canelo Bivol, the first one. It's not been signed, sealed and delivered. And then and then the the, 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 tr- the trilogy with Golovkin. Okay. So but that's an interesting one. I mean, if he was going to fight anyone... Um, I would, I would have always picked Bivol. We've always said that because Bivol isn't the biggest of light heavyweights, um, and you know it, he he could potentially fight a super middleweight himself. So I'm not surprised they're going down that route. Um, and, and Bivol, although I still think he's got a hell of a lot of potential, he just hasn't been able to prove it. I think good luck to him. He's gonna get a fantastic paycheck. Um, I prefer that fight for Canelo Bivol to uh, Macabo. So if that's going to happen, then that's terrific. Um, I, ho- I wish Bivol all the luck in the world. He, w- It'll be interesting to see what Bivol does because, uh, as I say, I do rate him as a fighter. I just think he goes through the motions. If he does that against Canelo, then he's going to get found out. But, um, yeah, I-, I think that's definitely the more logical step for Canelo then rather than fighting Baterbiev because Baterbiev is just a monster. Um, and then um, and then the trilogy of Glovkin, great. Uh, look, it's, it's, it's two big fights again for Canelo. Um, he'll probably have one more in there at some point. He, he tends to like having three fights a year. He'll stick one in at some point just to uh, a body, if you like. But if that's what we're getting from Canelo, three fights, two massive fights, and one just sort of um, tune up, then I'm happy with that. Uh, if, if it comes off, then brilliant. I'm, I'm happy with that, Sean. What about you, mate? 85 million quid. On the on the table as well, eighty five million dollars on the table for him. So another wow. massive another massive deal for Canelo. Two great fights. I'm not so sure he'll take a third one though this year. Uh, with them two fights, if they are lined up, if they do sign that as a two fight deal, and they're the fights that they end up with, I don't think he's got a reason to need a tune up. To be honest with you, I, I mean, I think he, he he could go straight into the Bivol fight and then straight onto the Golovkin fight. I think he's at that point of his career where he can do that now. He doesn't need to take. Any, any additional fights in the interim. I mean, if he was told that he was going to lose a title as a result of it, then maybe maybe he would take a third fight. But I don't think he needs to. But it's great news for fight you fans. don't need to, no. It's great news for fight fans. You don't fans, need though. to. I think he will. But yeah, it is. It's brilliant. I don't think he, I don't think he needs to. But I, I just think he, he wants to... He, he tends to... It's a pattern he's, he's, he's forming. But I, mean, I suppose, yeah, with the way the dates are going, probably what might be a bit of a squeeze to get the third one in. But yeah, big, big money, mate. Big money. Big news, big money. It's it's great. I mean, people are people are getting a little bit antsy about not seeing the David Benavidez fight. But then, David Benavidez could he fight Caleb Plant or could he fight Charlo? I mean, where you know there, there is other fights out there for these guys. I think it all really depends on how Canelo manoeuvres, doesn't it? As to, as opposed to how everyone else ends up moving their pieces on the chessboard. A lot of it does revolve around yeah. him. Uh, and, and if these are the fights that we're going to see, then obviously it gives the option for the Benavides and the plants of the world and the Charlos of the world to, to sort of move around and start to look at where things go for them next. But if it comes off that way, then yeah, I'm, I'm happy with them two fights. Personally speaking, I, I like the Bivol fight. Bivol was super middleweight, so it's not a stretch for, for Canelo to move up to fight him. And then obviously the Golovkin trilogy, I think everybody's probably wanted to see that. Yeah, Golovkin's a lot older now, don't get me wrong, but... Do I still want to see it? Yeah, I think Golovkin's still got enough in the tank to give us one one hell of a fight and give us one last hurrah against Canelo. I think I think there's definitely a lot of potential for for two great fights of the year out of them two fights alone. So I'm happy with that. Does, does that 
does that mean uh, Golovkin might that gives him an opportunity to fight Eubank Jr. as well? I wonder if that's something that could while Canelo fights Bivol. It's a good point. Yeah, it could, it could happen. That could happen in May. I think, what are we now? February, that's enough time, I suppose, for Eubank Jr. to be ready for a fight with, with Golovkin. There's no reason why that pen. couldn't happen. No reason. <laughs> yeah, he can find his pen, yeah. <laughs> if, he can, if he can find it, he, 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 needs, he needs to go and have a search around his, uh, around his house or his uh, apartment in Dubai. I think he needs to go and have a look at uh, a look at finding that pen first before we can uh, talk about having that fight. But yeah, no, that that's... Um, that's a that's a good that's a good point. Let's see what happens anyway. But that is that's probably yeah. the three big pieces of news that I wanted to put into this preview episode. I'm sure we'll get more as the next few days come on, and when the reaction show comes at the start of next week, there'll be more stuff to to be discussing as well in the reaction episode. Uh, you're not with us for the reaction episode next week. We will have a guest no. on. We will have a guest on for that. But I'm looking forward to seeing how the fights go down this weekend. So, fight fans. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode and you've enjoyed our interpretation of how these fights are going down this weekend, then do let us know on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast Network across all social media platforms, including the Sports Social website. Please go and find us on the Sports Social Podcast Network website as well. And if you've enjoyed listening to this, please do go and let us know on Apple Podcasts by leaving us a rating and a review because it does truly help us. That's everything for this episode and the final thoughts for, from both of us are really about the headline event which is Danny Jacobs and John Ryder and how this will play out. We've both predicted that Danny Jacobs will, will come through this fight but will the gorilla will the gorilla give us one night to remember in the sport of boxing? You'll all have to tune in on Saturday night to find out. <laughs> Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.